Hey, it's Scott Petrick with another episode of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. The regular season is finally upon us. The Browns head to Kansas City this week for a huge week one matchup to begin what promises to be a thrilling season. Joining me once again to talk about it all is Dave Chodowski from the WKYC Morning News. Dave, how are you and are you ready for the season? Scott, I am jacked up, man. I mean, there, there's something about that first Thursday night game. This is, uh, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and, and say it's like the Super Bowl or a playoff game, but there's something about that first game on Thursday night that just, it's on NBC, my station. Everyone's been waiting for football. You want it back. You got it tonight in prime time. You got Tom Brady, Dak Prescott, uh, you know, it, it's just awesome. I'm so pumped. And then to look forward to the Browns and Chiefs. I mean, it, we're always looking forward to the first game, right? But this one's just that much better because it it just has a, a big game feel. It's not just the first game feel. You know, you're always excited about the first game. But this has a big game feel for the first game, which we just haven't had in a long time. I mean, I know there was that year with the Cowboys where everyone was chanting Super Bowl in Berea and you opened up against the Cowboys and you know, you have you have the big ones, but let's be honest, they always lose their first game and you're always kind of going in with that negative attitude. Now, I'm not saying I think they're going to win Sunday, but I just love that big game feel. And and that's what you have. And and we just haven't had it for a long time. And, it, you know, it's just got me it's got me pumped up. Yeah, there's no doubt. And there's so many layers to this matchup. Right. You have, I mean, the biggest one is the last game that the Browns played was in Kansas City. They lose 22 to 17 in the divisional round of the playoffs. Uh, the Browns have gotten better since with the offseason and the draft, all devoted to defense pretty much. You have Patrick Mahomes, who didn't finish that playoff game, which probably skewed the final score, but that was the reality. Um, I think the best quarterback in the league. You have Tyreek Hill, you have Travis Kelsey, right? You go through there, the Chiefs roster that's gotten them to back-to-back Super Bowls and win, won the Super Bowl two years ago. Yeah, Baker Mayfield looking to build on that second half of last season. Uh, you, all the new guys. I mean, there's just so many things you can point to. This, the Arrowhead Stadium is going to be full when it wasn't full last year, right? And the Browns have been practicing with crowd noise for pretty much the whole, the whole offseason. So like, it feels like there's a million things we could break down when we want to discuss this game. Yeah, you're right about that. You know, the crowd noise and how this team handles the pressure – maybe a little bit of a target on their back now. Last year, quiet stadiums all throughout. You know, towards the end, you had some fans, obviously. But it's going to be interesting to see how the packed house affects this team. And, you know, you mentioned Mahomes being the best. You know, Scott, there's a lot of people out there, you know, that uh, think another quarterback that resides in Buffalo uh, might be the best QB in the NFL and Josh Allen and, you know, what that tells you is you're looking at the two teams that are probably the favorites right now to go to the Super Bowl, right? The Chiefs and Bills. And 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 they have the two best quarterbacks in the AFC and the maybe the league. Yeah. Well, I, I think you're right about those the Chiefs and Bills are the two favorites in the AFC. And I, I think you'd have nearly consensus on that, you know, maybe unless you're talking to a Browns fan. Uh, but I think if you talk to the analysts and the experts across the league, I, I think that's the consensus. Uh, I think it gets a little fuzzier when we talk about best quarterbacks in the league. 
Mahomes has done it for three years. He's done it since he took over that starting job. Allen, his start was bumpier. Now, last year he played like an MVP, right? He was an MVP runner-up to Aaron Rodgers. Um, when, when I do my quarterback rankings, I can't put I, Allen ahead of Rodgers yet. Um, you know, the Brady thing, is, the Brady factor is interesting because, you know, he's going to be 45. Do you still rank him as a top two or three quarterback? Probably not. Probably not based on stats, but he just won the last Super Bowl. You know, where does Russell Wilson fit? You know, Deshaun Watson, if he were playing, like, I, I think Josh Allen is in the discussion for that next tier, but I have Patrick Mahomes on his own level. And then it's a gap, and then it's Allen and Rodgers and whoever else you want to throw in there. I would still take Rodgers ahead of Allen, but your point is well taken. And when we talk about the Bills being the Super Bowl favorite, um, a lot of that is Josh Allen in the huge jump he made last year and the huge physical gifts that he has, right? He's bigger than Patrick Mahomes. You know, I, comparing arms, they both have ginormous arms, right? Maybe the two strongest in the league. So he's right there, and he runs, right? He runs like a Lamar Jackson who's, you know, 50 pounds lighter. So, yeah, there's a lot to like about Josh Allen. It's interesting because, obviously, he was taken after Baker Mayfield in the same draft. So when we talk about the Browns and how do the Browns stack up, you know, Baker Mayfield has to play closer to the level of Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. Now he doesn't have to be them. And I think the Browns overall roster is better, but in key moments in big moments in big games, Baker Mayfield has to come close to MVP caliber play to get where the Browns want to go this year. Yeah. And, and you just right there went into my exact point of where I was going with this. And let me be clear. I'm, I'm not saying that Josh Allen is the second best quarterback in the NFL or even the first, but I definitely think he's in the conversation. Yeah. Now you bring up Tom Brady. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, and it, it depends which direction you're going best of all time, best right now, who will be the best in two years. Right. I mean, you know, you would take Rodgers and Brady maybe right now, but if you were drafting for the future, you would probably take Allen because the, the career path is much longer. No doubt. Roger, Rodgers and Brady are at the end of the line. So I guess it depends on, on which way you slice it. But the bottom line is this. If the Browns want to get to that next level, what you just said, Baker Mayfield not, doesn't necessarily have to be the best, but he needs to prove that he is among the elite. And we're going to find that out this year. Listen, you know, he he had um, a, a great start, then a bumpy road, came back strong last year. I think this is a pivotal year. And it, and I don't want to talk contract right now, but I, I, I have to believe that part of why this contract hasn't been done is we're going to see how it plays out with Baker this year. Yeah, I, I think that's part of it, Chud. Um, we'll get into this a little more, but I did talk to – Paul D. Podesta, the chief strategy officer, um, yesterday. We're taping this on Thursday, so I talked to him on Wednesday. And we talked about that a little bit. And, you know, he said that it's the timing. You know, it's they always have a timing involved or in their mind for when a Baker extension would happen. And he said, you know, he had a key phrase, and I, I'm paraphrasing because I don't have the transcript in front of me, but it was, we think Baker's been a huge part of where we've gone and we believe he will be a huge part of our future. Right. So, and that just goes along with everything the Haslam's have said, GM Andrew Barry have said, has said that 
the plan is for Baker to be part of the future. And they believe he's the right guy. It's just a matter of the timing for the contract. Now, I, I still see a scenario where, and this is just me, Paul DePodesta did not say this. This is just me, um, where Baker gets off to a good start. The team gets off to a good start. And we see a contract get done in October, November. Like, I can still see that where maybe Baker does prove something to the team that last year at the end um, was just where he continues that progression that we saw last year. Because when we talk about Baker playing at an elite level, you know, we can argue about what elite is, but those last six, eight games that he played in 2020 were close, qualified as an elite level. 11 touchdowns, one interception, got the team to the playoffs. So if he plays like that, then I think the Browns are going to be right there with all the other contenders in the AFC. And if he does that in the first five, six weeks, um, I would not be surprised if he gets that contract extension and it's the same type of money that Josh Allen got from Buffalo. So um, there's there's a lot of layers there. What about on the reverse, though? What if what if he struggles? Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a good question. I don't think he will. I don't think the Browns think he will. But if he does, you know, then you probably wait and then you decide next off season. But like, I don't think the Browns really think that that's going to happen. And if it does, yes, it gives you more things to think about. But I still feel like this deal will get done, um, whether it's. October 15th, November 15th, or, you know, next June or April or whenever, just because I, I, I feel like you've invested so much in Baker Mayfield. He's shown a lot to this point and with Kevin Stefanski, with the offense around him, with the comfortability and the comfort level. And, and maybe I'm, I have a blind, blind spot here, but I just don't see a regression coming. And I, I don't think the Browns see a regression coming either or, or not. If they did, we wouldn't be talking about Super Bowl because you're not going to the Super Bowl if your quarterback takes a step back, right, from the year before. So I think all of it's moving toward what I feel like is an inevitable conclusion. But the fact that there hasn't yeah. been a contract ascension does leave the door open for something to go haywire. I, I will give you that. I, I guess my point is, is that, listen, when I saw Baker play when he first joined the Browns, I, I liked the draft pick. And I think we've talked about this. I liked the pick, but I didn't know or feel whether he was going to be the guy to change the culture. Right. Then I watched him play. And then that first, when I watched him in the preseason, when I physically put my eyes on him in person, I was like, wow, this is the guy, man. He, and I, I was just so convinced he was the guy. And then he has the setback year. Right. And then I'm like, well, maybe he's not, and, you know, maybe the, the, maybe the NFL's, they, they, they got, you know, film on him and I was wrong. And the people that were against him were right. So then I went that and I started to fall for that. Then he comes back and he does great. And I'm like, yeah, so he's the guy. So I guess what I'm saying is, and I agree with everything Deep Podesta said to you, but I guess I just think that, that there's that uh, cushion that they have right now to kind of just see how it plays out. And while I agree with you, I think he's going to be the guy. I just see where they're kind of playing it. And, you know, that yeah. I, what they, they have the cushion, Scott. That's what right. I'm thinking. Yeah, no, I, and I think I think that's a valid point, Chad. Um, you know, and I don't want to spend all this on Baker, but I do want to make a couple of points because I think you bring up some interesting topics, is 
you know, I question Baker when they drafted him. You know, I'm a big hype guy for a quarterback, but the league is changing, right? That's become less important. And he does have the physical tools to play at a top five, top 10 level in the league. He's got a big arm. That's not Josh Allen yeah. or Patrick Mahomes, but it's a big arm, right? It qualifies in the top, whatever, 10 of the league, half the top half of the league. It's plenty strong enough. He moves well enough. Again, he doesn't move like Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, but he moves well enough. And we saw that at the end of last season where he made big plays with his feet, including the scramble or wasn't a scramble. It was a designed run that won. They clinched the Steelers game that got the Browns into the playoffs. I think he's plenty smart enough. I think he works hard enough. And I, the fact yeah. that he's reshaped his body in the last two off seasons points to that dedication. You see him taking on – he's always been a leader. You see more of it. And when I talk to Dee Podesta, we focus so much on the culture change. And Baker's a big part of it. And we saw it at the Combine when he said, I'm, gonna be, I'm the guy to turn around 0-16 team. And it sounded brash when he said it, but he meant it. And I think he has been a huge point, a huge part of this cultural turnaround. You know, Jarvis Landry's contagious speech and Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry, like all of it comes together – and you can't do it without a quarterback who helps drive that change. Um, you know, the accuracy, he, can't, he came out of Oklahoma with the reputation of being so accurate. And that's really one area where I, think, I still think he has that trait. And if he gets to elite accuracy, then he can be that next level that he needs to get to. He hasn't gotten there consistently. Um, you know, 2019, it dipped under 60% completion percentage, which isn't good enough. Um, but he does have all these traits that you need. And, and I thought another thing Deep Podesta said was interesting. He said he feels like Baker has been on a progression since he got here. And he did say four. He said he's a force when we talk about that culture change. But he said he's been on a progression. And he said even when you, some people on the outside think he wasn't, and he obviously is referring to 2019, where if you look at the raw stats, it shows a regression. And Baker even admitted as much. Dee Podesta said there were enough data points that showed he was heading in the right direction. So I think it's interesting that the building and all those analytics guys and the guys who are breaking down everything um, didn't see, weren't as concerned maybe by that 2019 year as we on the outside were. And maybe that part of that's the coaching that he was getting. Maybe it's the defenses. Maybe it's the play calling. Um, but I, I thought that was an interesting point by Dee Podesta. No doubt. I agree with everything you just said. And I definitely think Baker is a huge part, if not the leading part. I mean, Stefanski, Barry, front off. I mean, you know, there's a lot of pieces of the puzzle, as you sure. say, but no doubt, huge parts of the culture change uh, in Berea for sure. So, hey, a lot of things we want to break down. We want I want to get your you know, thoughts on what happened in Berea this week. We're going to break down the Chiefs game. And then uh, obviously we got to give our predictions. But since we're on the deep Podesta train, mm -hmm. let's just stay there since we're already there. Uh, let's stay aboard that train. And uh, <laughs> I mean, that's not an easy interview to get. Uh, you got him. And, uh, you know, it's not a guy that we see that often, right? Can you kind of, you know, for those that don't know a lot about him, can you just kind of fill people in as to who he is, uh, you know, what makes him go? and what you found out with him. Yeah. You know, obviously, he's, I mean, chief strategy officer. He's the guy at the head of this operation, right? It's the ownership group, and then it's Paul DePodesta. And I think it's important to remember that he's been here since 2016, right? We have, we have all the Brown shakeups, 
but there was a shakeup at the end of 2015. And it was, I mean, I, you lose track of who the coaches were at the time, right? But I think it was Ray Farmer and Mike Patton get fired after the finale. The Browns announced that they're hiring um, Sashi Brown, who had been their legal camp counsel, but now he's going to run the football department. One of the first moves that was made after that was Paul D. Podesta gets hired, and he'd spent the last, I think it was 20 years, working in Major League Baseball. He'd been in the Indians front office. He was with the A's. I mean, he's the guy that Jonah Hill plays in Moneyball, right? That's Paul D. Podesta. He worked for the Mets. So it's an outside-the-box hire. Browns bring him in. He played football at Harvard. He's, you know, might be the smartest guy I've ever talked to. Um, and wait a minute. A, yeah. Wait, sorry. Wait, wait, no wait. offense, Chud. No offense, buddy. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, right. Just super smart. Harvard, bunch of degrees. And he comes over to football. And, you know, I think there was a learning curve there. I think he would admit to that. But my point is, he survived, you know, Sashi Brown getting fired. He survived John Dorsey. Um, have, he didn't get fired, but he left the organization. He survived the Hugh Jackson debacle and the Freddie Kitchens debacle. So he's earned the trust of the Haslams and he's in charge of the processes. And he's the guy that points out, okay, we're doing this wrong. When we, when we scout the draft, he's not the guy. I mean, he does look at film, but he's more about, okay, are we doing this the right way? You know, do we have everything set up so we can get the right information so we can make the right hire? And you know, just talking to him, you know, it's really interesting, number one, and he's really smart and all those kinds of things. But I focused a lot on the turnaround because I did a special, you know, our season preview special section that came out in the paper today. So if anybody's in Lorraine County or driving by Lorraine County, you can stop and pick it up. Um, but the focus of my main story, which will also be posted on Brown Zone in the next couple of days, is how the Browns get to where they are, right? They're a Super Bowl contender, and I don't think anybody would argue that. And it was only three years ago where they were 0-16. Hugh Jackson was jumping in the lake, and there was a parade mocking 0-16, right? That was all in 2018, and now we're 2021. And they're coming off a playoff season, a playoff win in Pittsburgh, and they're Super Bowl contenders. How did that happen? And Paul DePodesta's main point is it's an organizational collaboration. And it's alignment. He says the number one thing that's changed is people inside the organization are aligned. And, you know, he didn't throw anybody, anybody under the bus. And he said, hey, we had some good people and some smart people before. It just never worked. And he feels like the hiring of Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry and that they're low-ego guys and they, they, they agree on things and they have similar personalities, that that allows those two key guys in the organization to be aligned and it creates a collaborative process. And then Baker Mayfield's huge. You got, you know, Miles Garrett, you know, Jarvis Landry, there's key pieces that they hired, but he said, but I thought it was an interesting quote from Dee Podesta. He said, you know, is if you're in these organizations, whether it's baseball or football, you always say, man, if we get one more great player, that'll mean everything. And he said, I'm not reducing the importance of the players, but it's bigger than that. It's an organizational thing. It's, can we have the right structure in place so we can identify the right players and be less focused on one guy kind of being the savior? Um, so I, I thought that was really interesting. He talked about the organization being like a marriage, but it's got 60 or 70 people in the football department. So you really have to work hard 
to make sure people feel valued and they feel like their opinions being taken into consideration. He told me a story about the, before the draft, he told everybody, I want you to give me your one person you'd be most disappointed in if we drafted, right? The guy you don't want us to draft. And so there's 40 guys, right? Scouts and personnel guys. And he goes, there's a long list, right? Everybody comes up with somebody. And his point was, we're probably going to draft more than one of these players. And you can't be upset. You can't look at it as like, we're ignoring your opinion. Because there's too many voices. And we're listening to everybody. But we're all not going to have the same opinion. But once we make this pick, it's a Browns pick. And we have to get on board. And I, I just thought that was really interesting. I thought the talk about culture and collaboration. Not that it's brand new, but just how important he thinks it is to the Browns going from where they were to where they are right now. And then just the last point is, you know, I asked him about the roster and I said, Hey, you know, you got a guy like Miles Garrett, you get a guy like Denzel Ward. Those feel like key pieces. And he said, he says, yeah, I agree with that. He goes, but I'm focused a lot on the collective depth that we have now that we did not have a couple of years ago. And he pointed to the offensive line and he goes, I'm not talking about the backups on the offensive line. I'm talking about we have five studs on the offensive line. To me, that shows how deep we are. Because I think you can say the same thing about safety or defensive tackle. So it's the stars, yes, but it's also the depth. And I, I think that's just a huge, when we talk about progress this team's made, I, I think that's huge that it wasn't the case two years ago. It wasn't the case last year, where they had a couple injuries in the secondary and couldn't really function like the defense needed to. And I think they've, you never have enough depth, but I think they've done a good job addressing that part of it. That's fascinating. The part about everyone giving their person <laughs> and then telling them that, you, you know, not everyone's going to be on the same page. I mean, that that's something you could take into so many things in life and business models. Wow. That, that, yeah. that is pretty darn good. Yeah. It did not, that, that anecdote did not fit in, my um, season preview story. So I'm actually working on that today because I, I just thought wow. it was so, it was so interesting. And he talked about the work that has to go into creating that atmosphere. And, you know, like I said, the marriage, you know, he used that marriage analogy and it's all about making sure you're doing all the work needed um, to have, to have the right atmosphere, the right environment, the right relationships, because he feels like that is, paramount to winning. And I said, there's, there's franchises that win despite that, right? You have dysfunction and chaos and you can win despite that, but obviously that's not the ideal way to win. Yeah. Did, um, did he talk about the Haslam's at all? Did you ask him about the Haslam's? I did not. I did not. We did not get there. Okay. I would just be curious to, uh, you know, one day and this is a totally different topic, I guess, but you know, when you look at the culture, it's, it's amazing. You could have, the culture that it used to be under the Haslam's and what it is now. And you got to give them credit for changing it because it was so bad for so long. Yeah, you're, you're right. And I think part of it is they stepped away, right? They weren't as maybe intrusive. Yeah. At least that's the outside view. I will say that Deep Podesta, I, I brought up the word dysfunction. And I said, you know, you get this label, does it bother you? And he fought back on it a bit. He said, you know, when you lose, it's always going to look like dysfunction, right? And he goes, I really feel like inside the building, everybody was trying to get where we needed to go. It wasn't like there's people sabotaging. Everybody's trying to win, but there's people have different ways of how they think they should get there, right? And I, it makes me think about John Dorsey 
in this kind of old school traditional football versus, you know, the more analytic analytics driven approach of De Podesta. And just because it didn't work, he said, that doesn't make it dysfunctional. It just, from the outside, you say it's dysfunctional because we lost, um, you know, so, so he wanted to clarify that because he really said, Hey, we've had good people in here. It just hasn't worked. And he said, it'd be nice if I could blame one person, right? It's easy. Then you say, Hey, we get rid of this guy and bring somebody else in. Cause it wasn't that simple. It wasn't like there was that easy of a fit of a fix. And he said, that's what made it more frustrating is that it wasn't just let's get rid of this one guy. It was a bigger issue in kind of installing that culture, creating those processes to allow the Browns to get where they are now. Would you say it's safe to say that Andrew Barry came out and said that, you know, last year was about fixing the offense. This year was fixing the defense. Like did, didn't I, I remember feeling like they admitted they weren't where they needed to be last year, right? Yes, for, for sure. Yeah, yeah you can yeah, only do okay. so much in one offseason, right? Yeah. yeah, okay. So, did so, and you may have said this, but just did Deep Podesta make it seem like they're where they need to be to get to the Super Bowl, or did he make it seem like there's still things they need to do? And, you know, part of that might be your reading into whether he believes Baker's the guy, which it sounds like they do. Um, yeah, I don't know if we got – I don't know if he was that specific about, yes, we are Super Bowl contenders, but he didn't fight me when I use that as my premise. And, okay. you know, the, the only kind of – he would say – about he would talk about the culture and he'd say, the culture we've created, and then he would go, the culture that we are creating. So, you know, I don't think he wants to assume anything. I, I know that, you know, when you listen to Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski talk, they don't want to make any assumptions, but – the goal is the Super Bowl, and, and I think everybody in the organization has been clear about that. Now, while even the goal still was the Super Bowl a year ago, I think there was a reality of first-year coach, first-year GM, first-year systems, defense not fixed, and I, I do feel like the Browns as an organization feel like they've done – not everything, right? It's always – you know, it's a living organism, but they've done what they can to give them the best chance – starting right now. Like, I feel like they believe that window is open. That's great. Anything else from uh, Deep Podesta you want to throw out there before we move on? No, I think uh, I think that's it. I think we covered that. All right, let's go. Uh, what happened in Berea this week? Some of the things, and I don't need to ask you, you know, five different things. Just kind of give us a, an overview of how the week went. I mean, you, you got Newsom uh, on the dub chart as a starter. Clowney is sick. Is that right? right? Um, you know, what are the main things we need to know? What do the fans need to know heading into this first game? Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Newsom. You know, obviously he'd been trending that he was going to be the starter. Um, I had no doubt that he was going to be named the starter, but it became official. And to me, the key is it's against Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, right? And this is your first NFL game. Mahomes is going to come after you because Denzel Ward is on the other side. And I think Greg Newsom has the right makeup for it. It's just a matter of, you know, does he execute against, you know, the best players in the league in his first opportunity? And even if he doesn't, I don't think that's a, you know, black mark against him. I just think it's reality, but I'm looking forward to see how he handles it because I don't think it, if he doesn't, if he gives up plays, it's not going to be because he's not ready. It's not going to be because he's overwhelmed by the moment. It's because he got beat by Tyra Kill and Patrick Holmes, right? Patrick Mahomes. And that might happen. Um, but he's the guy. It'll be him, Denzel, and Troy Hill as your top three. Greedy Williams will be your number four corner. Um, 
I think from an injury standpoint, the Browns are as healthy as they've been. Michael Don, the guard, is the only player working on the side. Delpit, um, Williams, Taki Taki, Higgins, Hill, they're all back practicing after they weren't a week ago. J.C. Treader, the same for him. Um, you know, I got – we saw practice. You know, we get to watch the first 25 minutes or whatever. All those guys are out there running around. We'll check in again today, make sure the guys that were limited are still out there practicing today. You mentioned Clowney. Um, obviously, he's a guy to watch. His COVID test yesterday was negative, so he was just ill. Um, Stefanski's hoping he's back at practice today when we're recording this in the morning. Um, no word from the Browns if he's going to practice or not. Uh, obviously, he's a key piece, right? He's one of the big free agent acquisitions. The Browns are counting on him. It would be disappointing if he's not able to go Sunday. But if he continues to test negative, you would think that he'll be out there Sunday. If it's just a cold, um, he'll be able to go by Sunday. And I want to see how he and Miles Garrett look, right? We spent so much time talking about that tandem at end. And you want to see him, and you want to see him against Patrick Holmes because it's a new Chiefs offensive line. They overhauled that offensive line. And there's some big names on there, right? There's some good names and some proven guys, but it's still a new unit. And when we talk about the Browns' new defense, right? We have, I think there's going to be eight new guys in the Browns' nickel package that weren't here a year ago. So you go, okay, well, it's going to take a, lot, a while for these guys to gel. And, and I believe that. Well, you can say the same thing about that Chiefs offensive line. And if you're going to beat Patrick Mahomes, the best way to do it is to pressure him and pressure him quickly. And that's what we saw in the Super Bowl, right? Tampa Bay dominated that Chiefs offensive line and Mahomes couldn't operate. So if the Browns are going to win this game, that's a key. And I think it starts with Miles Garrett and hopefully Jadavian Clowney. How about JOK? A lot of talk about him just being all over Kelsey. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, he had such an uneven training camp in preseason. He started on the COVID list, so he missed the first five days of practice. Then he played great against the Jaguars in that preseason opener. Then I thought he, he didn't play that well against the Giants. Didn't play a ton, but didn't have any sacks or didn't have any tackles. No stats at all. Um, I thought he struggled to get off blocks. Then he has this weight room accident where he gets stitches in his forward, can't wear a helmet for a week, doesn't practice, doesn't play in this preseason finale. But it still feels like it's full steam ahead for him to have a huge role starting week one. And we talked to him this week. He said, yeah, I expect to have a big role. He goes, I don't know if I'll start. He said, I expect to start, but it's still up to the coaches. I, I think what will probably happen is he's your nickel linebacker, and the Browns will be in nickel a ton, 65% of the plays probably. Um, Mac Wilson probably gets to start if they're in a base package. If they open nickel, then I think it's JOK next to Anthony Walker Jr. And I, I think it shows you I, the confidence that the coaching staff has in JOK, but also the upside that he has, that they just feel like, hey, this guy's so athletic and Joe Woods, a coordinator, can do so many things with him. We need to get him on the field. We need to get him on the field as quickly as possible. And part of that's because he's such a good blitzer. And part of it is because he runs and he can cover. And if you're covering in a linebacker against the Chiefs, that means Travis Kelsey. And that's a tough matchup for a rookie. And it'll be interesting to yeah. see how he handles it. I don't think he's going to be overwhelmed either. Um, but Kelsey's going to catch the ball, right? That's what he does. Yeah, a buddy of mine uh, said that they should just put JOK on Kelsey, 
and just, you know, that's his only assignment. Just stay on him the whole time. <laughs> but you know how fans are. I mean, right. it, but, it's just. <laughs> but they did. Dra- I mean, they drafted him because of his coverage ability. Right. That was one yeah. of the reasons they drafted him. And that was a weakness. Um, it's been a weakness for a little bit in, in the Browns linebacking course. So, uh, you know, it's a lot to ask of a rookie. And I think you have to double team Kelsey and you're trying to double team Hill. And, you know, that's the, the things that Joe Woods has to navigate which is why you need your front four to get pressure so you can drop seven. And that gives you probably the only chance you have to cover those guys. Um, But I don't know if you want to just have him cover because he is such a good blitzer that I think you need to mix and match what JOK does. Was there a little uh, road trip for some of these Browns players I saw? Yeah, it was interesting. You know, they had the three day mandated by the collective bargaining agreement with the new 17th game and the way they cut off the last preseason game is the players head off Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So Baker, Odell, Jarvis Landry, and Austin Hooper flew to big sky, Montana for a fancy, for a fancy place out there. Um, a fancy resort. I think it was the same place that um, they did the golf outing with Tom Brady and Bryson DeChambeau and Aaron Rodgers. It looked the same from the pictures that I saw. Um, anyway, so they went out there and they played some golf and they played a lot of cards and they hung out, they threw the football around and it's just another one of those steps toward creating the chemistry that they're trying to create. I think it's another sign of Baker's leadership. It's one more step in the on-field chemistry, right? Baker and Odell, Baker and Austin Hooper, those two pairings, it spent a lot of time together this offseason, whether it was throwing in Florida throwing in Austin, Texas, just hanging out in Texas. Austin Hooper went down and hung out with Baker. Odell was part of that group um, that threw the ball in Austin with Baker and with Jarvis and some of the other skill guys. And, you know, I, I think the, the feeling is the closer you are, you are off the field, the better you will be on the field. And, and I think there is something to be said for that. In addition, that Baker's throwing the ball to Odell a ton on the side when he wasn't in team drills. You know, you throw the ball in the offseason. All those things help gain that experience, gain the, gain the reps, gain that cohesion that you're looking for that was really, you know, was missing between Baker and Odell the first year plus and, you know, was missing between Baker and Austin Hooper, and La- Hooper last year because Hooper just didn't have the impact that was expected after he signed that big free agent deal. Oh, man, that's great to hear. I, 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 if, if all those guys can get on the same page – Oh man, look out with the weapons they have. Um, you know, with the weapons, you got to have, you know, the play calling. And I felt like last year the play calling was was pretty darn good. Uh, I don't know who asked Stefanski this question the other day. I don't know if it was you or someone else, but someone asked him how critical he is on himself as a play caller, mm-hmm. and he said very critical. He has to be better. He's told the players that. He doesn't think he did a very good job at a bunch of moments last year. And, you know, he's tried to identify some ways he could be better. And then I thought this was interesting. He said, I can't ask the guys to improve and not look inward as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was Dan Lobby from Cleveland.com asked that. Um, Yeah. And he's taken that ownership. And I do think he, I thought he did a great job last year. And we taught, we spent so much time before the season talking about, should he be calling the plays, right? People were worried because you've seen other head coaches fail when they tried to call plays. They couldn't handle everything that's on a head coach on the sideline plus play calling. And so fancy just handled everything. 
you know, part of that's because he's so smart. Part of it is because he has a good staff around him, but it never felt like the play calling was too much for him in addition to everything else. So I think he's only going to get better. He hasn't been calling plays a long time. He did it in the end of 2018 for three games. He did in 2019 and then he did it last year, right? When you look at a guy like Andy Reid, has been calling plays for 20 plus years. Um, you know, there's a big gap there. So I think Stefanski will continue to grow in that area. I know he was hard on himself, you know, after any loss, but especially after that playoff loss, when you're one play away, right? You lose by five points. You can point to one play here and there where if you made a better play call, maybe you score that touchdown that changes the outcome. And you have to live with that all offseason. And especially when you flash back to, you know, Carl Joseph gets that interception. The Browns have the ball with whatever it was, six, seven minutes left in the game. And they need one drive to go take the lead. And they got a first down, and then they stall out. And third and whatever, Wyatt Teller gives up the pressure. Baker's got to get rid of the ball. Stefanski chooses a punt. Defense doesn't get the stop. We all know the end of the story. But if you're Stefanski, you say, okay, we made our first first down, right? That's so huge on any drive. Why couldn't I build off of that? Right. What went wrong in those three plays? And, you know, part of its execution, obviously. Uh, but could I have called a better play? Should I have not put Wyatt Teller in that situation on third and six or whatever it was? So, you know, I expect him to be better. I expect him to have some wrinkles. I think we're going to see that playbook expand this year, whether it's more three wideouts, whether it's more, you know, to go back to the jet sweeps with the guy like rookie Anthony Schwartz to take advantage of his speed. You have Odell back, so that should broaden the playbook. Uh, but I, I think he will make a growth just because I have so much confidence in his football acumen and his ability to critique himself. All right, before we get to our uh, season prediction here for uh, our final prediction of the record, what are the keys to Victory Sunday? Yeah, it, like I said, pressuring Mahomes is going to be big. Like, I think that could tilt the game. But I think you go on the Browns are at six and a half point dogs, something like that, which makes sense. It's in Arrowhead. We all know the Chiefs. We all know all the talent they have. Andy Reid is great when he has time to prepare. Um, whether it's openers are coming off a bye. The Chiefs have won 14 straight games in September. I mean, there's a lot stacked up against the Browns. So how do you take that and shift it where, okay, all of a sudden the Browns either have a chance or in, or in control. And, and to me, it's two things. One, you have to win from a defensive line perspective and get pressure on the homes, whether it's forcing him to get rid of the ball too quickly, forcing him into a turnover or two, which could change the game. Then I think on offense, it's finding that balance between explosive plays, which we're missing in that playoff game a year ago, right? I thought that's where they really missed Odell's dynamic playmaking ability, his downfield threat. I didn't, I didn't think the Browns had that in the playoffs. But now you have Odell and you have Anthony Schwartz to a much lesser degree. You need to take advantage of that while you were occupying the clock, controlling the clock with that running game, which they were not able to establish early last year in that playoff game. And I, I thought that was a big, a big reason that they dug that hole. They couldn't run early. They get behind, then you're playing catch up. So I would say dominate from a defensive line standpoint and then mix in the run that you stab, right? That's your identity is running the ball, but mix in a couple of big plays because you know Mahomes is going to have explosive plays, right? Kansas City's offense is going to be explosive. You need to match that to at least some degree. 
Well, are you ready for a season prediction? I am first. I am, but first, give me your uh, give me your Kansas City prediction. What do you think for Sunday? All right. Uh, well, that's what I'm kind of I I'm trying to figure out my final score because uh, yeah. I knew we were going to talk about this. I I think that um, man, you know, Scott. Here's the deal, man. I, I, <laughs> of course, of course, I want to pick the Browns, but they've won one game to one start opener. the year. Yep, one opener, right? Was that yep. 2003 against Baltimore Four. or 2004? 2004 my bad um so i I, i'm gonna go chiefs and i'm gonna say hmm, they're gonna i'm gonna say the chiefs are up by three late in the game and uh let's go they end up scoring late for a 34 to 24 win okay okay yeah, John, I'm I'm on the same page with you, and I think that, you know, no matter what happens Sunday, it's not going to define the bronze season, right? We saw them lose 38 to six in the opener a year ago. They'll play much better this time. I think opening against Kansas City is exciting, but it's also really difficult. Um, I, I, I I'm struggling. I I can see how the Browns could win this game, right? We just talked about it, but I'm not going to pick it. Um. I think they lose something like 34-31. I think there's a bunch of points scored. Uh, I think it's the kind of game we expect from the Browns and Chiefs, the two really good offenses that we didn't necessarily see in the playoff game last year. I think this follows the script more closely. But I I also think it's the kind of loss that you can build off of. We've talked about this analogy before. Browns in 1986, they opened at Chicago against the defending Super Bowl champs, the Bears, right? That 1985 Bears team. The Browns lost that week one opener in 86, but it was close. And I I was a kid, and I remember going, man, they look good. And it kind of – the Browns were able to build off of that, and they went to the AFC Championship game, right? So, like, I feel like it's not apples to apples, but I think there is something to be said there. If you start, even with the loss, but play well – you can gain confidence, and I think it could be a springboard. So I'm going to go 34-31. That would mean the Browns cover. I think it will be a really um, – that would be a fun game and a game that fans don't get down after, and all of a sudden they're like, okay, everything we thought is kind of not proven, but the things we thought going into the season, we feel ju- we're kind of verified that they played the Chiefs that closely. Yeah. I, I like that. I like that. And and I think we're on the same page because I do think that it will be, like I said, within three points late in the game. And you're just sitting there going, oh, well, the Browns did cover. And then, boom, something happens to where, oh, that close three-point game turns into a 10-point game. Sure. And then they don't cover and the Chiefs cover. I just – I feel like it happens all the time. Yep. You know, Vegas, Vegas. It's Vegas, man. Right. So – you're going 34-31 Chiefs. I'm going to go 34-24 Chiefs. We both have the Chiefs with 34, so there you go. Um, all right, so on to the season. Um, final record. Now, I don't know. Th- this could be boring podcast talk or not, but – and if you don't want to do it, we don't have to, but would you want me to go – and I think you could do this in like 30 seconds. I, I almost want to give you every single game – and you tell me win or lose, and that's how I find Scott Petrak's final uh, record. Because I think it's just too easy to say, yeah, 11 or 12 right. or 9 or this or that. Yeah, are, that's fine. Are, are you yeah, in? yeah let's you, go. Are you in? I'm ready. All right, here we go. All right, so obviously Kansas City, uh, we have a loss. We know that. Okay. Houston. Win. 
Home to Chicago. Win. At Minnesota. Win. At LA Chargers. Loss. Home to the Cardinals, Arizona. Win. Home to Denver, Thursday night football. Win. Home to the Steelers. Win. At the Bengals. Win. At the Patriots. Loss. Home to the Lions. Win. At the Ravens. Loss. Home to the Ravens after the bye. Win. Las Vegas in Cleveland. Win. At Green Bay. Loss. At Pittsburgh. Win. Monday Night Football. Win at Pittsburgh? Yep. All right. Home to the Bengals. Win. I think that puts you at 12. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, and 5. Well, that's where I was going. I was trying to get to 12 and 5. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you were manipulating it in your mind. Yes. I couldn't trick you. Yes, I would. <laughs> now, you've, you done, know, you've done it already. Let's be honest. Right. You've looked at the schedule 50 million times. Exactly. Now, they could, you know, could they beat New England and lose to Arizona? Yes. Could they sweep the Ravens? And split with Pittsburgh again, right? I mean, there's a bunch of different ways to get to 12 and five, but 12 and five to me feels right. I think if you get to 12 and five, you end as long as you split with the Ravens, you win the division, right? Um, so that's what I got them. I have them 12 and five. I have them winning their first AFC North title, and then I have them losing to the Bills in the AFC title game. Now I know we talk so much about the Chiefs, and I think the Chiefs are the best team. It's hard to go to three straight Super Bowls, and it could be injuries. It could be, you know, just you lose a game by a bouncing ball. You have to go on the road in the playoffs and your kicker misses a kick, right? I mean, there's all kinds of ways to not get to the Super Bowl. And I just feel like this is a year where the Chiefs don't get the Super Bowl. I'm kind of playing the odds. And I got Browns and Buffalo. And I'm going to go with Buffalo just because I feel like they were a step further last year. And maybe this is the next step on the Browns progression. And I feel like if that happens, 12-5, and five, win the division, go to the AFC Championship game, I, I feel like all this momentum that we feel right now will just continue to build, and, and fans can continue to be excited about what lies ahead of this organization. And, and I feel like that's the type of year this sets up to be. So let me revisit that. So you have obviously you have them at 12-5. and five. You have them winning the division. So that would be their first division since 1989. Yeah. Crazy, right? Yeah. Okay. The All start right. of the AFC North was founded in 2002, and they've never won it. And they've only come right. close three times. <laughs> right. Okay. So in the playoffs, you have them winning their first playoff game. So two games. Well, they're, so, they'd have to win two games, right, yeah. to get to the because yeah. they're the only buy is the number one seed. Exactly. You have seven teams, right? Right. So I so, so if they if they win the division, then they host a the game. So I think we'll have a a home playoff game, maybe okay. two, maybe two. Um, and then I'm guessing they'll go to Buffalo. I think Buffalo probably, you know, could be the number one seed. I'm in Kansas city. Um, but so as I'm playing this out, yeah, they go to Buffalo and, and lose a game probably in the snow. But would you have them beating Kansas city then to get to Buffalo? Yeah. I mean, who knows, right? I mean, do they, does Buffalo beat Kansas city and then and the Browns beat, um, 
you know, the Chargers or the Ravens. Like, I could see that happening, too. Um, but, yeah. So, I you're mean, thinking maybe the Browns are the two seed then? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I really – I to be honest, I did not go that in depth I, when I did my season preview. I, I, just, I, I know. All right. I mean, I got I'm, him in the champion. Like, I can – Chad, I'll tell you this. And I wrote this in the season preview. And, again, all this stuff will be posted on brownzone.com in the next couple of days. But I did my season preview. And I picked MVP and Super Bowl champ and all those kinds of things. And this is as hard as it's been for me to make a Brown season prediction because usually you're debating between five and 11 or six and 10, or, right? And if you're optimistic, there's no, you're not out on a limb, right? Eight and eight, who cares if they go eight and eight or six and 10? There's no difference. But now it's do I have them winning the AFC? Do I have them winning the Super Bowl? Like those are big decisions to make, you know, for a beat writer doing season predictions. Um, and, and that's why that's why I was pressing right, you. Right. I, I just I, I wanted to hear you say, yeah, they're going to beat the Chiefs to get right. to the Bills. Well, I mean, so it's tough. I mean, so I, I couldn't I couldn't get myself to pick them to win the Super Bowl. It just feels like so much has to go right. This team has only won one playoff game in the last 26 years. Right. Not that you can't make that jump, but I just felt like I, I'm going to go safe, quote unquote, safe, pick a progression that stops short of the ultimate goal, um, knowing full well they could win a Super Bowl. Like, I can create that scenario, um, but I also feel like Buffalo is just kind of a step ahead in this horse race. They've been to the playoffs more often lately. Josh Allen's, right now at least, a step ahead of Baker. Um, their coaching staff has been intact longer. Uh, I like their roster, although I do have, you know, there are questions about their pass rush. But uh, it just felt like, I don't know, maybe I was – you know, this is kind of that happy spot I could land in with, yes, they get better, but I'm not going all the way. All right. Before I give my prediction, let me just give a uh, couple plugs here to yeah. uh, my employer, Channel 3. And, and Scott, you were on with Nick last Sunday, right? I was. Uh, yeah. The half hour show. And you, you go on there. Obviously, you did that for years and years with me. And now Nick does the show and you've been going on there. So that that's great. Love having you on. Um, I am in the middle of, uh, I just sent my predictions in this morning. There's going to be an article on WKYC.com with all of the talent from uh, channel three making predictions. So I had to put my prediction in. So uh, I just did that this morning nice. and, uh, then tomorrow I have a feature piece running on uh, go on our morning show from four 30 until seven. So, uh, hopefully people listening here can check that out tomorrow morning. Uh, uh, Matt Hine, who's worked at Channel 3 forever, is a phenomenal editor and did a great job on it. And uh, I, I love doing the sports pieces, even though I do news now. I love still being able to do that and love doing this podcast with you. So uh, uh, try to get on and uh, watch that in the morning if you can. So here's my prediction. Um, and, and, and here's the thing. I mean, you know, I, listen, I'm not trying to upset anybody. And I am a huge Browns fan and I've been a diehard Browns fan my whole life. I am going to, though, pump the brakes and not put them as far as you. I am going to go with the opinion of I need to see them win a division before I predict it. And that could be a cop-out, but, hey, it's my cop-out. So I'm going to have them in second place in the AFC North at 10-7. and seven. I, I know that sounds crazy because they just seem like they have so much talent to win 11 or 12 games or maybe 13. I mean, I, I know it, it seems crazy. Basically, as we went through the schedule, you and I were on the same page. We predict every game exactly the same, minus two. And that was I have them losing in Minnesota, and I have them losing in Pittsburgh on that Monday night game. And, 
That's okay. the difference. That's the difference between 12 and five and 10 and seven. Now here's the thing. There's no way we will get this exactly right. They're going <laughs> to, you know, that means they're going to win every home game based on our prediction and they're going right. to lose probably one home game. And I think they'll probably win more than two on the road. So who knows how it's going to shape out. Right? Sure. Sure. I just won't be, listen, 11 wins is probably where they'll be, but I'm going to go 10. I'm going to put them in the sixth seed in the playoffs winning a playoff game, but then losing the next week. And I think it's the Chiefs and Bills in the uh, AFC championship game. That doesn't mean I don't think they can get to the Super Bowl. I could see a scenario, just like you said, that that could put them in the Super Bowl. And I think they're on the path to eventually get there. But I'm just going to pump the brakes a touch and watch it play out, especially with it. You know, I want to see them – I want to see if they can carry that momentum over again. And uh, I'm just going to, I'm going to go, I'm not going to be totally down. I'm not saying they're not going to make the playoffs. They're going to have a great season, but that's where I'm going to fall. Yeah. I mean, I totally respect that. And it's not crazy at all, Chud. And I don't know if I mentioned this last week or not. It's all a blur what I wrote, what we talked about, but I'll just bring it up real quick. And I included in my uh, prediction column that I wrote, is there's a stat about teams that break long playoff drops. And obviously the Browns broke one a year ago um, that the next year they don't go to the playoffs. And I have the numbers in this story that'll be posted, but it's like since 1980, it's like three of 13 teams that broke a playoff drought of a decade or longer. Only three of three, three of 13 went back to the playoffs the following year. So there is a bit of history that, there's kind of that natural regression, right? Things catch up, um, whether it's, you know, peop- whether it's players get inflated senses of opinion, whether it's just the ball bounced the right way for you one year and it doesn't the next, right? I mean, there's so many factors that play into an NFL season, the schedule, the injuries, um, that it's not a given that a team builds on that momentum right away, right? There's kind of starts and stops in any team's progression. So, you know, and Tampa Bay was one of those teams last year. They broke a long drought. They won the Super Bowl. Now they added Tom Brady, so that's probably an outlier. But that's worth considering is that the Browns can be on the right path but still take a step back this year, and it, it wouldn't mean Stefanski's the wrong guy or Barry's the wrong guy or Baker's the wrong guy. It could just mean life in the NFL. Um, so that's something to consider. I, I think the roster that they assembled will mitigate that and that's why I'm predicting an improvement. But it, it wouldn't be shocking if things didn't go as smoothly as maybe we're projecting or I'm projecting. No, I, I, I think we're both projecting it. I mean, I, you know, well, yeah, you're projecting a lot more. I mean, uh, I mean winning the division and getting one step from the Super Bowl. But, I, you know, I, I just uh, – it's not that far off, but I guess two wins is a big deal. I mean, it's the difference of a division or a wild card. Right. Well, um, so I, I could. It, yeah. And I'm sorry, but there's no guarantee. 10 and seven, there's no guarantee you make the playoffs, right? 10 and I, six, I know. 10 and six wouldn't have made the playoffs a year ago. So I, I know. And, that, yeah. and that's where I, str- that's where I really struggled with it because I'm like, how do I put them in? But then I started thinking, you know, in the NFC last year, it, it, it was just fine. I mean, Let's see how it plays out. I don't know if you're going to see a lot of teams in the AFC get to uh, 11 or 12 wins. Right. I mean, you got the, the Bills and the Chiefs are the heavy hitters. And then a lot of people think the Browns are next. You got the Ravens. 
I mean, could Tennessee take a step back? I absolutely think so. Sure. Uh, you never know what's going to happen in the West. And, uh, and here's another thing, Scott, we have not talked about it all. Don't forget about COVID. I mean, we have yep. no idea yep. how that's going to play a factor. That could be, that could change things at any point in the year for a lot of different teams. So there's a lot of things in the prediction game and you said it and, and you're absolutely right. Injuries could be the ultimate. And that's part of my piece tomorrow. Um, my piece is the three things that concern me with the season. And I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer, but listen, <laughs> it's easy. It's easy to go and talk about all the great talent they have. It's, it's sure. easy. What I'm trying to do is dig deep and find out what could derail this season. Cause Again, and maybe that's just our job, and right. maybe there's a little negative to it because we've suffered so many losing seasons. I'll be honest, but I want to look at what could derail it because yeah. it, it seems like it's just on the path of greatness, right? Right. No, I, I think that's a good point, um, and I'm glad you brought up COVID. That's one of my concerns with picking the Bills is because they have issues, right? And we know Cole Beasley has been so out front with that. And could that sabotage your season? Yes, it, it could. And it could, I mean, even teams that don't have those issues, right? And the Browns don't have the infighting, um, and most of the guys are vaccinated. But that doesn't mean you can't get the wrong case pop up at the wrong time. And the margin for error is so thin in this league that you lose the wrong guy at the wrong time for one game. And it could change, it could cost you, you know, the division to a wild card or a wild card out of the playoffs or whatever it is. Because really, two losses in this league swing you from out of the playoffs to, you know, could be to a division title. That's just how this league works. Um, but you're right, and, and I respect what you said about, you know, looking for ways that this could go wrong. And, it, and that doesn't mean you're hoping for it. It's just part of the job. But I, I will say this, Judd, and we should probably wrap it up here. We've been going on. But um, <laughs> we had plenty to talk about. But I've spent the last X number of months thinking about that. Okay, you know, is, is this really real? Right. Because I've never covered a team of Super Bowl <laughs> expectations. And I've come to the conclusion that it is. Now, again, that doesn't mean they're going to win 12 games. But I feel like the questions that need to be answered about this team, coaching, quarterback, roster depth, talent, have all been answered. Right. So, yes, they could not. Yes, they could fail to meet my expectations and they could fail to meet the fans expectations. But I would be surprised if that happens. And if it did happen. I don't think it would be a failure of the organization. I almost feel like it would be an outside factor. And that's why we've talked about injuries. Like you can't account for that, but I think the organization is just set up to have a really good year. And that's where, that's what I see everything pointing in that direction, which is why I made the predictions I made. Well, and let's not forget you're at every practice and you see way more than I do. So I think everyone out there should value your opinion. <laughs> of 12 wins more than mine at 10. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Absolutely. Wow. What a fun, man. This was great. Wow, yeah, this was lot. great. Yeah, this was great. Chad. This was, this is my favorite one we've done so far. Um, and we've done a lot of ones I like. So thanks so much for spending the time again. That's Dave Chodowski from the WKYC morning news. And we'll do, we'll be doing this every week. I'm hoping to do it earlier next week so we can talk about, um, the game that was just played in Kansas City, right? Maybe we can do – or I'll be in Kansas City, so Monday will be tough. Um, but maybe we can get it going Monday or Tuesday so we can um, recap what we saw for the start of the season. So Enjoy thank, the trip. Thank you, Chad. I appreciate it. It's going to be exciting. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks again, Dave. 
And we'll be back next week with another episode of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast.